Thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow and Furnace. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church. Or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Okay, well, good morning and welcome to our online church. Uh, it's been a while, hasn't it, that we've been doing this and uh, it can be frustrating and we would really love to have everybody here, but uh, just let's be patient at this moment in time. So we're going to continue our series in 1 Thessalonians. We're going to look at chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Remember, it's only five chapters in the whole book. You can read along with us each week. You can get the house group questions if you're in a house group. And if you're not in a house group, join one. And you can look a little bit deeper and get to know one another. But I want to ask a question Today, I believe it's always important to ask questions because it makes us think. And the question I want to ask this morning is, who are you trying to please? We've sung this morning, it's all about him, that I'll bring him more than a song. That actually he is the one that we need to put our focus on. And he is the one who is worthy of praise. Now, over the last few years, I have mentioned or may have mentioned several things from the front of church that I like. I may well have talked about things, and those of you who've been coming to Springmount for quite some time, you will know certain things that I really like. If I asked you to shout at the screen now what it is that I really like, there are at least two things that I can think of that most people will know that I really like. Whether it's Lindor chocolate balls, you know, the ones that are wrapped in red, that melt in the middle. <sighs> yeah, you know, red. The, the, don't mess with the red. Don't mess. Don't have the white and the, the other ones. The red wrapped Lindor chocolate balls, I really like. Or whether it's Biscoff spread, I might have mentioned that a few times as something that I find hard to resist. But what I've started to find is that people have noticed. People have noticed what I like. And uh, it's been very noticeable, but what I've started to find is that although I've been quite subtle about what I like, it's grabbed people's attention. And uh, as a result, over the last 12 months or so, people have given me treats. People have brought me things that I really like. Somebody even made me a Biscoff caramel slice. Thank you, Josh Schneider. It was very, very nice. And brought it to church, and I put it in the fridge, and I had a bit at a time. It was good. Somebody else made me Reese's Pieces brownies. I haven't mentioned those very much, but I like those as well. But you don't have to send any in, don't worry. And I've had Biscoff brownies before Christmas, Sandra Falls. Thank you very much. It was very nice. Not great for my diet, but very nice. And this week... Alan and Sue brought me a delicious pair, not just one, but a pair of Biscoff and white chocolate cookies. You know, it's amazing that I'm managing to lose this weight, really. I am not complaining about those treats. You know, I'm not also saying send them in, give them to me because I really don't need them. But I have had to incorporate them into my diet and I'm not complaining. But if the motive of those people who brought me those sweet treats, if the motive of their hearts 
was to try and get around me and to twist my arm or to, to make me make a decision or to, to buy me, then I'm afraid it won't work. But if it was to please me, then I was absolutely ecstatic. I love chocolate. I love sweet things. But you know, people-pleasing is a real problem. When we just try to please people, and I don't think those people who made those things were trying to please me. I think they were just my friends and they were giving me something nice. But actually, people-pleasing is a real problem. In this case, it's for my waistline. We all want to be liked. I think we all want to be liked. And maybe we all want to make other people happy. And sometimes it can be important to be the people of peace or the people of least resistance. But if we try to simply please people all the time, then you will start to lose yourself. If all we do is please other people, we will lose who we are. Whether we live our lives for likes on Instagram or the thumbs up on Facebook or a retweet on Twitter or whatever it is on other things, or whether we've gone along with something just for the status quo, whether you know, people have rushed into things and not revealed all before even serious things like marriage. Do you know, we need to make every decision we make in order to please God. It's not to please people. It's not to please partners. It's not to even please families. It's to please God. So the question today as we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 is, who are you, who am I, trying to please? Let's read. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It might be that the NIV comes up on the screen. That's fine. I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, just the first six verses to begin with. It says this. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. If you remember last week, he only stayed there a little while. They were chased out of town and chased to the next place. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. I'm just going to stop there. There's a few points I want to bring to us this morning as we look at these verses. The first one is this. God gives courage. How, who, if I say the word courage, who do you think of? If I say bravery, who do you think of? You know, maybe for some it's the lion in The Wizard of Oz. He wanted courage. He wanted to be courageous, but he was a cowardly lion. He was all for put him up, put him up, put him up, but then actually he ran away at the first sign of trouble. He was desperate for courage, but how did he get it? He got it on the journey of helping Dorothy. 
Maybe let's think of the real world. Who do you think of when you think of courage? I read a story of a, of a man called Jacqueline Lucas. You might not be aware of him. If, if you've heard of him, then you'll know the stories. But this was one example of Jacqueline Lucas's displays of courage. His first display of courage was signing up for the Marines during World War II at the age of 14. At the age of 14, he signed up for the Marines. He was patrolling Iwo Jima ravines when the Japanese attacked, throwing two grenades directly into Lucas's position. Those grenades would have wreaked havoc and devastation. What was Lucas's response? What was his reaction? Well, he shoved one grenade into the ash and he laid himself over it. And then he grabbed the second grenade and pushed that underneath him as well. Lucas somehow survived. But his bravery was there to protect others. His courage in that sudden moment was overwhelming. Somehow he survived. He underwent 26 surgeries and retained 250 pieces of shrapnel in his body for the rest of his life. And he was awarded the Medal of Honour by the President Truman at the time. That's courage. Who do you think of when you think of courage? Maybe it's Corrie ten Boom or Anne Frank, somebody who, who in the face of severe trouble and problems did something for somebody else. Who do you think of when you think about courage? Maybe you know what Paul, the writer of this letter, went through. Maybe you've read through Acts. Maybe you've read through some of the New Testament and you know what he went through. And maybe you think, well, it's okay for him to say, have courage, because he was courageous. He was brave. He was strong. He was naturally brave. Let me tell you, he wasn't. He wasn't at all. He went into many situations feeling not confident feeling afraid, feeling like he wasn't good enough, feeling like he wasn't able to do it. He was scared, but he really wasn't brave. We can read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 2 to 5, to say this, For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Listen to this. This is Paul, the one you think might be brave, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive spirit speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the bravery. He came in weakness, in timidness, trembling in fear, trembling in fear. Where did his courage come from? It wasn't natural. Verse 2 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says this, Yet our God gave us the courage. God gives courage. It doesn't come naturally. Paul's courage came from God. It wasn't a natural thing. It was supernatural. A man who would approach a place in trembling and weakness. If you think this morning that you cannot be courageous, think again. Because we need to take a leaf out of Paul's book his courage came from God. He relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. He decided that while he was with them, he would forget everything apart from Jesus Christ. And what was the result? Supernatural courage. Bravery beyond expectation. Even in the midst of great persecution, his courage was there. So think you can't be courageous? Think again. Let's think through the Bible. People like Gideon who hid 
was chosen by God to do incredible things. What was God's message to Joshua? Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Someone like David, he was very self-confident and yet he will have been trembling thinking about facing that giant but he knew God was with him. Where was his courage? It was in God. Where was his strength? It was in God. Where was the power? It was in the spirit. There's the lesson this morning. God gives courage. So who are you trying to please? Are you pleasing the people who take that courage from you? Are you pleasing the people who will criticise, who will put down? Please God. Because God will give you courage. Do you know, four times in this passage of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, four times Paul says we're here for the good news. We're here for the good news. We're here to share good news. We're here to tell good news. Four times in such a short space of time because Paul is focused on what? Not himself, not just on helping, but on the good news that Jesus died and rose again. On the good news that Jesus saves. On the good news that God is good and God loves us and God has a place and a purpose for us. Acts chapter 18 tells us the story of Paul's situation in Corinth. It says this, Acts chapter 18, verses 9 to 11. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I am with you. And what does it say? It says Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. Don't be afraid. Don't be silent. Speak out. Be courageous. How was Paul able to have courage in a situation that left him trembling with fear? Because God said, I'm with you. God said, don't be afraid to speak out because it's good news. You're bringing good news. I am with you. I am with you. In a place where he was trembling with fear, he stayed for a year and a half. How did he manage that? Because God gave him courage. Because God gave him strength. That is why he was able to be courageous because he heard God's word. This morning, if you don't feel very courageous, hear God's word. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be silent. Speak out the truth of Jesus. The truth of Jesus, not the truth of man, not the lies of man, but the truth that Jesus saves. Don't be silent, for I'm with you. As I read this little bit, I thought about the paper boys in America. I mean, I know we have paper boys here, but in America, I can remember the game paper boy and you used to cycle along the road, dig in your bag and you had to throw a newspaper onto the garden and keep going, throw a newspaper onto the garden and keep going. That's delivering news and running away. Paul didn't do that. He was courageous, so he delivered the news and he stayed. He delivered the news and he stayed. Let's not have hit and run situations where we drop the good news on somebody and run. Let's walk with people alongside the good news. Let's journey with people with the good news that Jesus saves. He stayed there in that place of fear and trembling and kept sharing the good news. We do not run from the good news. Keep sharing it. So that's the first point today. Who are you pleasing? You should please God because God gives courage. Second point, God gives us purpose. I can remember somebody who worked in the shipyard who was responsible for proofreading a lot of the manuals and he used to insert the word porpoise instead of purpose to see if anyone spotted it. So whenever he was talking about a purpose, he was talking about a porpoise. 
God gives you purpose, not a porpoise. He gives you purpose. Here's a key verse alert in chapter 2. Key verse alert, chapter 2, are you ready? Chapter 2 and verse 4. The second part says this, our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Say it again, our purpose is to please God, not people. He examines the motives of our hearts. Can we please everyone? Have you ever tried pleasing everyone? It's impossible. You will not please everybody. It will make, you know, stop trying. But will pleasing God please everyone? No, it won't. It won't please everybody. It will make some people get quite upset when they hear God's truth. However, will pleasing God be for the best for you? Yes, it will. Because God is the best. And God has a purpose for you. And God not only has a purpose for you, he still sees everything. God sees and knows the real me. God sees and knows the real you. And he still loves us. Our purpose is to please God. Maybe this morning you're sat watching this or listening to this and you say, but I don't know how to please God. I don't know what it means to please God. Well, the question to say is, does it go against everything that he would want for you? Does it go against what his word says is good? Does it go against what has already been written and said? Because if it does, there's a chance it's not going to please God. But does it agree and line up with his word? Does it agree and line up with the person of Jesus? Do you know, have I ever gone against my dad? Yes, probably. Does he know all those times I've gone against him? No, probably not. I'd rather not go against my dad, but I have. Because he doesn't know everything about me, yet I love my dad. And so God knows us. We cannot pretend. You know, everybody at the moment is wearing masks. Even the masked singer, you know, who are you? Who are you? I I often want to walk up to people and do that, but obviously that's dangerous and not COVID safe. But um, go against our Heavenly Father. No, don't do it because our purpose is to please God. We can wear a mask in front of our earthly fathers. We can wear a mask in front of our friends. We can wear a mask in front of our families. But God knows us. End of. God knows us completely. Our purpose is to please God. And if we please God, will it please everybody? No, but it will please us. It will please us. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. People pleasing will lose ourselves. If we please people, we will lose who we are. But God pleasing will help you to find yourself. Are you looking for peace? Please God. God, Jesus had peace in the middle of horrendous situations. Why? Because he was pleasing his father. Are you looking for the next steps in life? Please God. Are you looking for love and joy? Please God. Do you know there's a song by Chris Tomlin called Indescribable and there's a lyric in it that always hits me whenever I've heard it or sung it and it says this, You see the depth of my heart, and you love me the same. 
You see the depths of my heart and you love me the same. That is God. God sees the depths that we've sunk to. God sees the depravity in our minds and in our hearts and our lives. But he loves us the same. Just take a moment to try and take that in. That is indescribable. It's unbelievable, but it is true. God sees the depths of our heart and he loves us the same. God will give us courage. God will give you a purpose if we please him. Third thing, God will stand with you. It says in these verses that God is our witness. I love a courtroom drama. I love the twists and turns when they bring a witness out and the witness turns everything on its head because the witness is vouching for the person under trial. I love it. We're watching one at the moment called For Life. And it's brilliant. It's really good. It's about, based on a true story of a man who was wrongly convicted who becomes a lawyer in prison in America. And he represents others while trying to overturn his case. And he is battling against corruption. And I get really frustrated. Ross turned to me the other night and said, Johnny, you get a bit too invested in this. Because I get quite cross. Because he's got this moment to prove himself as innocent And the district attorney does something to the witness and nobbles the witness. The witness doesn't turn up or they make him late so he can't stand trial. And it frustrates me because the witness is so important to the case. The witness is so key to what's going to happen to win the battle. You know, witnesses can turn or they can become hostile or they might not show up. But God is our witness. God witnesses us. And when we put him first and our heart attitude is right, then he will testify to us in a way that nobody else can. He will stand with you in a way that nobody else can. He will fight your corner in a way that nobody else can. He will fight your battles with you and for you. Paul says he entrusted us with the good news. Let's please the one who trusts us. Let's please the one who has given so much, who has trusted us to be his witnesses, that he will testify and stand by and with us. Let's finish the rest of the passage. 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 7 to 12 says this, As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you. We were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preached God's good news to you. You yourselves are our witnesses and so is God that we were devout and honest and faultless towards all of you believers. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you. And here's another key verse, people. We encouraged you and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you, he called you and me, to share in his kingdom and his glory. Live a life that is worthy. There's a high calling. Live a life that is worthy. How do we do that? Well, we do it with God because he gives us courage. We do it with God because he gives us purpose. We do it with God because he stands by us and with us and will trust us and fight for us. I want to share one last word. 
And that word is integrity. It's a big word. Integrity is really important. Who we are when nobody else is looking is important because God is still looking. Integrity. God is looking for people whose lives are worthy. None of us are perfect. None of us are capable of of being Jesus. But we are capable of aiming towards living a life that is worthy of the purpose God has called us to. Integrity. As I thought about this word, you can break that word down to in the gritty. (laughs) In the gritty. Integrity in the gritty. In the nitty gritty of life. Who are you? Who are you? Who? I'll go back to that again. Anna. Integrity. Think about a pearl for a moment. I don't know an awful lot about my marine biology. Probably Raymond Graham does, but I don't. But pearls, I believe, are formed when a little bit of grit or sand gets in the oyster. And over many, 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 many years, the sand becomes something more. Under that pressure, in that dark place, in that confinement that piece of grit, that piece of dirt, that piece of sand becomes a thing of great beauty. That's integrity. When we face tough times, we have to grit our teeth. The little bit of grit becomes the oyster, becomes the pearl in the oyster, doesn't become the oyster. Let me get that right. If grit gets in the gears of something, it can cause problems. Who are we like and who are we in the daily grit of life? When you're in the gritty, when you're in the nitty gritty, Do you please the people around you? Do you try and get out of things by making people happy? Do you try and get out of things by saying, well, I'll just, I'll deflect? Or do we live a life each day that wakes up and says, today, God, I am going to try and please you. Today, God, I am going to please you because you're going to give me the courage to do it. Today, God, I'm going to please you because you give me the, you give me the joy, you give me the peace, and you've trusted me with your good news, and I'm going to share it, and I won't be silent. And I won't be still. Who are we in the daily grit of living life? If we live lives in a way that God considers worthy, then that is integrity. Lots of people will take sides in war, will take sides in competitions. This afternoon, there is a very important football match where people will take sides. People take sides. In politics, people take sides. Well, in all of those things, look for the people of integrity, for the people who stand with God, for the people who speak the truth, whose lives are unimpeachable. Look for the people to stand beside because God will stand beside the people of integrity. Lots of people take sides. You know, Thessalonica, this place that was written to, was full of gods. It was full of Roman gods. It was full of Egyptian gods. It was full of Greek gods. There were many gods and many worshippers. There were cults that involved sex. There were cults that involved other things, drink and food. And all of these religions, if you like, had missionaries. But most of them were in it for what they could get. And Paul addresses that. He says, we didn't come to take money from you. We didn't come to please you, to flatter you, to twist your arm. We simply came to share good news. We didn't come as salesmen. We didn't come telling you to something, to buy something off us. We didn't come for our own gain. We simply shared good news. We shared the truth. We didn't pressure you. We didn't twist your arm. We didn't, we didn't try and force you to look after us. We worked to pay our way so that we didn't burden you. We gained nothing from coming to you. That's what Paul said. That's integrity. When it's not about what you can get, 
but it's about what you can give. That's integrity when it's about God. When the only gain is sharing the good news. The only gain is sharing the good news. That's integrity. When it's not about people, but it's about the person of Jesus, that's integrity. When it's not about our rule and our power and our reign, but his righteousness, that's integrity. So as a finish today, live lives that God would consider worthy. That is integrity. I love receiving those nice gifts, those treats. I'm not saying that so you keep sending them. I'm not trying to, I do need to lose my weight. I'm getting there. I love receiving nice gifts and sweet treats and my favourite things. And I hope that people don't do it just to please me or twist my arms. And I don't think they do. I think they do it because they're my friends. But our purpose today is not to please Springmount Church. Our purpose today is not to please Johnny Harrison. Our purpose today is not to please anyone other than God the Father and to live a life that he would say was worthy. The message today is hard and challenging, but it's good news. And he will give you the courage. He will give you the purpose. And he will stand with you as your witness as you aim for integrity, as you aim for a life that is worthy of his calling. Pleasing him will ultimately help you to discover you, will ultimately help you to be who you are made to be, and will help you discover your purpose in life, as well as give you an eternity with him, because Jesus died and rose again, paying the price for all our sin. You see the depths of my heart, and you love me the same. You are amazing, God. Jesus didn't always please people, but he always pleased God. And that's the good news. He pleased God because God said, I love people so much that I want to give you in their place. He pleased God by going to the cross. He pleased God by doing what the Father said. And ultimately, we can now please him and we can give back to the one who gave it all. Let's pray. Father God, help us to be a people who aim for integrity. Father God, help us to be people who want to live a life that is worthy of your calling. And Father God, help us to be people who don't become chameleons, who don't lose ourselves because we're so busy pleasing these people, that person and the other, without pleasing you first. Father God, it is important to live a life of peace. And sometimes we have to make compromise to do that. Many times we have to meet people halfway. It's not about our way or no way. But Father God, let our lives become about your way. Let our lives become about Yahweh. Let our lives become about the one who gives us courage, who will give us the strength to keep going, who will give us the bravery to speak, who will give us a purpose to carry out, and who will stand with us through every trial we will face. Father God, I pray today that if we don't know you, if people are watching this who have never accepted Jesus, to stand by them, to stand be as their witness, as their advocate, I pray, Lord, today that they will, they will just give themselves to you and they will say, God, I'm a sinner, but you love me. You see the depths of my heart, but you love me the same. You are amazing, God. Father God, I thank you that Jesus died for me that Jesus rose so that I can have life. And I thank you, God, that you give us the strength to journey each day. In Jesus' name.
Amen.